0: Welcome back to the Hottest Takes Sports Podcast, presented by Subsports. This is your host John Ashkar, and today with me, I'm joined with my co-host Jack Van Hello,
1: fine people. Today we've got a very special guest with us, with a laundry list of accomplishments that's probably going to take half the episode to read. But we've got Adelaide Aquila with us today, and John, I'll let you kind of do the honors of giving the accomplishments. But yeah, super excited to, to film. This is our first time we've ever interviewed a shot putter, so I'm very excited to get to know a little bit more about the sport.
0: Yeah, so she is a senior here at Ohio State. Is I don't even know if shot putter is the correct term, Adelaide, but... No, that's, that's, that's right. <laughs> All right, so we'll roll with it. Perfect. So she's a senior here at The Ohio State University. She's entering her fifth year in the OSU track and field program She hails from Magnificat High School in Cleveland, Ohio. Let's go. We're both from Cleveland, so it's it's good to know. But she is a two-time NCAA champion and three-time Big Ten champion. She was Ohio State's 2021 Female Athlete of the Year. She's a three-time first-team All-American. But the thing is, guys, she walked on here at Ohio State and then went to go compete in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. So like Jack said, A huge list, probably the most accomplished person that we've had on the show, yet, I mean, it's an honor, and just congrats on everything that you've accomplished so far.
2: Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. (laughs) I'm really excited to just, like, talk about it a little more and, like, introduce you to ShotPut, I guess.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Yeah, we're excited, too. How did
1: you originally get into ShotPut, and was there a coach that kind of helped you develop from the beginning?
2: So, it's kind of a funny story, so... In my middle school St. Rayville, we had this thing where if you did every event on the track, it was called the Raider Award. If you did every event on the track in a season, you would get a tie-dye sweatshirt. And I was like, All right, tie-dye sweatshirt, this is so cool. I want it so bad. And it was my weekend to do shop but and I think I was like pretty good for a middle school kid and they made me stick with it and then I never ended up getting the sweatshirt. But I guess like being an Olympian, like I guess it bounces out a little bit, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, sweatshirt Olympics.
0: I don't know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe you can get
0: OSU to make you like tie-dye sweatshirt.
2: I, I was thinking, I'm like, all right, maybe if I go back and talk at the middle school and get them and say that story, they'll give me the sweatshirt. So, like, hopefully for the and who knows. <laughs>
0: That's hilarious. I can't. I can't even imagine. But it's funny because, like, when you're so little, like that, that's such a huge like possession and something that you like strive for.
2: Oh yeah, and like everybody else had them, I was like, tang, like. Oh man. Wish.
0: (laughs) So moving forward, at what point in life did you realize that you could go a really long way with this sport?
2: So it kind of happened in three phases. When I was in high school, my junior year, I realized that I could keep doing it professionally, or not professionally, into college. And so that's kind of when I made my decision that I really wanted to get into track and, like, focus on the sport more and develop myself into somebody that coaches want to recruit. I wanted to be a hard worker. I wanted to show a lot of explosiveness and really just improve my distances. So that's when I kind of started switching into the gears of, all right, track is gonna be a good way for you to get into different colleges that you might not be able to get into. You know, all Mm -hmm. these opportunities are gonna open if you focus yourself in on that. And then when I was a sophomore here, my coach called me and she said that she was like, she basically said like, if you commit yourself to the process, and really just focus on track and, like, becoming a better athlete and pushing yourself in the weight room more than I think you could be a really good thrower. And so that's kind of when I had that second mind shift, mindset shift, and I really started, like, putting putting myself a lot more on the line in the weight room and at practice and not just going through the motions of being, like, a student athlete here. And so that really helped me out going into my junior year I was making like really big jumps in the weight room like in practice I was seeing distances I'd never thrown before and I was like okay this is this is really going somewhere like you what you're saying is paying off and then we get to nationals and it's the day after like COVID's announced and we get sent home
1: Uh-oh. and
2: that's kind of when I had my third shift I was like the Olympics were supposed to be this year. You have a whole year of training that you can put in to make that team. And so that's when I really had my third shift of, I want to make it to the Olympics and I want to compete for Team USA. I want to be able to like walk around and be like, I'm an Olympian. You know, that's when I really had that shift into, I want to do more than just be a good college athlete. I want to be a good above like, college athlete. I want to be a good professional athlete, even when I'm still in college.
1: And I, I think you're certainly accomplishing that so far. I want to ask, to that point, do you think if COVID doesn't happen, are you an Olympian right now?
2: Uh, so, I've, I've thought about this a lot. I honestly do not think I would have placed as high as I would I did when it, COVID was a thing. I think I could have gotten... Into the finals, I think I could have gotten top, like, five, but I honestly don't think I would have thrown the distance I had to make the team. I think I could have thrown, like I said, fourth or fifth place, but nothing near what I did to make the team.
1: That's really cool.
2: Yeah, it was awesome. My dad actually welded me a squat rack for me to work out with. So, like, have anything at my house, and my dad was like, all right – I'll just get me some metal, I'll, like, set something up for you, and we had, like, a barbell from one of our friends, and so he put, like, one spot for squats, one s- spot for bench, and then, like, that's all I did, like, all summer, I was just like, all right, if I have to do something, like, <laughs> at least I know it's happening.
0: People got really was- creative during, like, COVID, but that's definitely one of yeah. the most, like, creative yeah. things that I've heard so far.
2: hmm I didn't, I was, like, deadlifting one time, and I didn't have straps, but... I was like up at my cottage and we had a life jacket. So I cut off like part of the life jacket and <laughs> used that straps because it's basically the same material. So I was like, all right, it's close enough, you know, like well, it'll work. Like it's basically the same thing. So definitely got creative.
1: <laughs> That's really cool. So going back to the Big Ten and NCAA championships this year, is there more pressure with the heightened expectations now? or is there less that knowing that you've dominated them in the past, or is it kind of a mix? Where, where do you stand with that?
2: I would say it's definitely a mix because from having so much success in my career and other professional athletes I could assume would say the same, like, you always know you're going to have this baseline. Like, in your back pocket, you're going to be able to make the tackle when you need to. I'm going to be able to make a throw that makes finals if I need to. But it's a matter of, are you going to take the people's expectations that they have on you and let that, like, crumble you? Or are you going to be like, you know what, you're right. Like, this is my standard. I have to live up to it. So that's kind of where it gets a little tricky just because, like, yes, the expectation definitely affects me. And I do freak out a little bit before I meet. Like, I'm always like, oh, my gosh, what if I don't do good type of thing? But it's definitely, like, not as bad
1: if you know how to think about it and handle it yeah i think that i kind of want to just skip to this next question because it goes off emotions you know going into the olympic qualifiers or the ncaa championships what are your emotions before a meet and and do you have a any ritual or process for calming yourself down if you know if you get butterflies
2: so my pre-meet ritual is Every night before I compete, I'll have steak, some some sort of potatoes, and then, like, broccoli or a salad or something like that. That's my go-to meal. And, like, I was pulling out my wallet the other day, and I had, like, four receipts from Outback in my wallet. And I was looking at all the dates, and I was like, oh, this was right before Big Tens. This was right before Nationals. Like, it was all just correspondent with all of that stuff. So that was kind of funny. But normally when I'm in a meet, I'll try and focus on like myself only. I'm not going to focus on my competitors because if you focus on somebody else who isn't having a good meet or somebody who's having great meet, it could bounce either way. If they're having a bad meet, you can absorb that bad energy. First, if they're having a good meet, you could also absorb that. So I kind of just try to stay in my own lane, you know, like I touched upon a little bit earlier, like I know what my standard for myself is and what my standard for my throw is. So if I'm not doing that, I'm gonna go through each little step of it and be like, what are you doing out of the back of the ring that's different than what you normally feel? What are you doing in the middle that's different? How does your release feel different? Like, are you tensing up? Are you opening your mouth? Cause like one of the big things I do is whenever I'm tense, I'll like clench my jaw. And then that makes my shoulders tense, so I always have to, like, open my mouth before I throw just to, like, make sure I'm, like, breathing That's and, loose. you know, not super stressed. But other than that, like, if I'm feeling extra, like, anxious or whatever it is, I usually tend to tense my whole body and then untense it a couple times mm. just to, like, relieve that stress out of my body and just really focus on, like, what I came here to do and how I want to portray myself.
0: Gotcha. That's that's interesting, and I mean, especially with, like, tensing your jaw, like, I didn't even know that, and, like, correlates to your shoulders and everything, too. And yeah. then my
2: coach pointed out one day, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I am more tense when I do that. Like, it's weird.
1: <laughs> well, I find that interesting, too, because I, so I don't know anything about but really. When, like, if your shoulders are tense, is that not, kind of run us through real quick the brief version of, like, what is basically what you want to, to do when you're performing
2: So, okay this is this is not gonna make a lot of sense but like in shop ways it's going to make a lot of sense so off the back of the ring you want to keep your left arm in between your left leg so like your arm goes like that around the outside of the ring you want to have your arm in beside your leg because if you pull then you're gonna get all like twisted Mm -hmm. and so that's One of the reasons, like, if I'm tense, I'll do that and pull my arm immediately. Mm -hmm. So that's why I focus on that. But, like, out of the ring, you want to make your right leg as long as possible. And then almost when you're coming off the back of the ring, you want to feel, like, a lunge in your left leg. So you feel, like, all that power through your left leg. And then you push into the middle and basically just, like, spin and throw the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the simplest ways possible, but yes,
0: so if you if you're pulling out with your arm, is is that gonna give you a bigger chance to like throw it foul?
2: Yeah, gotcha. So if, normally when I lead the throw with my arm, that means I'm going to go and throw out the left sector. So my left, but this way on camera, I'll throw out the left sector, and then what I normally do to adjust that is if it just continually keeps happening and nothing I'm like thinking is gonna fix it. I'll move my left foot into the center of the ring so then when I blow my arm out the back I'm still I'm not as far over as I would be if I was on the right side of the ring or the left side of the ring gotcha
0: interesting so I wanted to hop back just real quick to the emotions part what was your mindset and like the emotions going into this previous like US qualifying meet and just knowing that you had to place top three to make it to the Olympics
2: I was really focused on getting a good first throw in finals. After I knew I had made it to finals, I was like, you have to start out strong. This is going to be very, very difficult to make. Because I think there was like four or five girls in front of me that had thrown further marks. So I was like, it's going to be very difficult to make. You have to set your best foot forward. Worst case scenario, you'll have five more throws if somebody passes you to continue to try and beat them Mm -hmm. so once I did my first throw and it was it was actually the throw that qualified me to the Olympics I just kept trying to get a further throw you know like keeping an eye on like my other competitors what they were doing and just like not like accounting for their actions but almost like you know, like, sometimes you can tell when somebody's stressed, like, by the way they walk, so, or, like, their mannerisms, like, picking their nails, so I was, like, taking in that, but, like, still, like, trying to focus on, like, okay, you know, you five throws, they could pass you on this one, like, what are you going to do, how are you going to respond, that type of stuff.
1: Interesting. So, kind of the attention that you received after this must have been crazy for you, because going from some, you know from just competing to get into college to then becoming an Olympian and going as far as you have has to be a pretty you know, surprising, I would say.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How was it dealing with all the media attention that you received after qualifying, including a solo press conference at OSU and interviews with two different Cleveland news channels?
2: Yeah, it was, it was really weird. My first interview I had ever done was after indoor nationals. So I was like, my first interviews were really bad. I just did not know how to talk. I would stutter every two words and it was just really bad. So I started practicing by myself. I would think of like questions that people were going to ask me. I would have an idea of what I wanted to say. And then I kind of just emphasize like the points that I want to talk about. And that was how I kind of managed that. But it was so weird you know, receiving all of this attention, because I never, I, it's so weird, because I don't picture myself as, like, this, at, this, like, really high-level athlete, you know, like you said earlier, I came on as a walk-on, and I still have that walk-on mentality, I still think I'm, like, the bottom of the totem pole, I just, like, don't think I'm that good, and it's weird to have people reach out to me, like, you guys, I was like, oh, gosh, like, somebody wants to do a podcast with me, this is so cool, <laughs> I was, so it's just like weird to like adjust to all of this I mean on Instagram I think I gained like 3,000 followers just from the Olympics and I was like okay this is awesome but one of the best parts was just how many people reached out to me from like high school or family friends or just like friends that I hadn't talked to in a minute and it was nice to hear from them and you know them talk about how proud they are proud of me they are and just hear from them and how awesome it
0: is that was that was the best part that's so cool and it's got to be so like humbling too especially with like all of the people that you've like formed bonds with over the years and everything they -hmm. have this like unified like vision for you and like support and that's got to just be like the coolest feeling
2: oh yeah it was it was awesome my parents actually were able to come out for nationals and for the Olympic trials, and it was so awesome to have them there. They were like, my dad never cries, so it was so weird. He was like <laughs> tearing up, I was like, are you okay? <laughs> like, this is so weird.
1: <laughs> that's, that's a great moment though. You'll, you'll remember that, I'm sure, forever. Oh
2: yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: So talking about memories that last forever, we're gonna go and we have two parts of Olympic questions for you. One of more just like a person part and then one more of a sports part. So our first one is just take us through the life of like an Olympian from flying over to staying in the Olympic Village if you did to the opening ceremony and even like the swag bag that the U.S. team gives you.
2: So we actually got two swag bags. Okay, sorry, three. (laughs) We got one right after the Olympic trials. It was a Nike suitcase. It was, I swear, like... Up to like mid, like, test. And then once we got to Tokyo, we got two more suitcases. One was completely full of Ralph Lauren stuff shirts, sweatpants, bras, whatever, like, whatever you needed. And then we also got another bag of Nike stuff. And it, there was just, an, it like, I still have not worn all the stuff yet crazy did your siblings
0: ask you no. for any of it sorry to cut you off
2: oh yeah i i mean we got oh we got like a, we got eight pairs of oakley sunglasses yes <laughs> 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 i i was like i tried all of them on i was like honestly none of these i'm ever gonna wear so i was just like <laughs> giving them to all my friends i was like this is all you're giving but like you can have you can all have a pair like don't expect anything else but i gave we got this, like, little teddy bear bag, and I gave that to my grandma. And then we got a Oh, we also got, like, a Samsung phone and the, like, Galaxy headphones. I haven't even turned it on yet. It's just <laughs> sitting in my room right now, just, like, in a desk. I'm like, all right, this is cool. It's engraved, so it's, like, pretty cool, but I'm going to wait and hopefully sell it after I'm done with college so I don't get complianced. <laughs> but... The adjustment to Tokyo was weird. So the night before we left, I stayed up all night because Tokyo's 13 hours ahead. Mm-hmm. So right now it's 8.40 in the morning. Oof. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm just going to stay up all night. I'm just going to pack tonight, you know, make sure I'm sleeping on the plane. And our flight was at 7 or something in the morning. So I was like, okay, this is going to work perfectly. Our flight to, we flew from Columbus to Newark, Newark to, I forget where, somewhere in Tokyo, somewhere around Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And so we went to Tokyo. And so when we got on the flight from Newark, it was around 12. So it was around 1 a.m. there. I was like, this is perfect. I'm going to fall asleep, wake up in seven or eight hours, and still be on the plane, but I'm going to be more adjusted to the time than I actually would be. And so we got on the plane. And it was really nice. That was my my family friends upgraded me to like first class just because like there was like some seats left, but not enough for me to like upgrade or something. I don't know. And so I got upgraded to the first class, and it was like <laughs> so nice. We had a layout bed and like our <laughs> own TV and everything. I was like, okay, oh, man. <laughs> this <is> more often. <laughs> it was so nice. And so that flight was thirteen hours. Ooh. And it was, it was a lot of sitting, but I was able to sleep for most of it, so it wasn't, like, too, too terrible. And then once we landed in Tokyo, I want to say it was, like, 5 p.m. there or something like that. And we got there. Customs took, like, two and a half hours to do a COVID test on arrival. Wow. And then... We got through to Tokyo, the bus ride to the village was around an hour. And then we had another hour of getting our credentials. And so these credentials basically said, like, you had to split for different parts of the village. And so we had that credential that like allowed us to get into different parts. There's, this was pretty cool. One of the things that we had on our credential was a Coke thing. It was like a little key card or something. And you held it up to any Coke machine and it would give you a Coke Powerade or a water or like a sparkling water. And you could just get it anywhere. It was so cool. <laughs> and then we get to our the village and I would say the best way to describe it is moral tower and like dorm towers.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Each tower is for a different country. So there was a USA tower, like Japan tower, China tower, and then the smaller countries split towers so like the top half would be whatever brazil the bottom half would be argentina mm-hmm. and so that's cool and i was in a room with it was me and one other girl in a room and then we had two other two other like suites in our room so it was like six of us total the beds were not okay my opinion's a little controversial but oh, yeah, like i, I didn't this. think they were that bad the worst <laughs> thing about it was the pillows we got one pillow And I'm normally, I'm the type of person who sleeps with like five pillows. So I was like, immediately, no. And that was so rough. So I was sleeping with my airplane neck pillow around my neck and then the other one right behind me. And the bed, like like I said, it wasn't bad. I was just so tired that all the time that it was whatever. And then the dining hall was pretty good. They had basically a station for every country. So that was really cool. We had, the, the Japanese station was by far the best because they knew how to, like, season the food and make it the best, but everything else was, like, pretty decent. One of the other things they had, this is for USA specifically, is we had a separate training hall for, from everybody. So we had basketball, gymnastics, tennis, whatever it was, all in one area. So we had our own little athletic, like, campus. And you could go there. They had food and everything. They had their own track. And you just go there and hang out like all day, basically. Because other than that, I wasn't really allowed to leave the village, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <clears throat> they were super strict. I did hear some people snuck out, but I was a little too nervous to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that sounds like a ridiculous experience. There's a ton to unpack there, but that's that's really cool. We talked a little bit about the people... In the different towers, did you meet anyone from a different country that you kind of became friends with or, or found really cool?
2: Not really became friends with, but we had this thing where you get a bunch of USA pins, and then you go around exchanging the pins for people in other countries. Mm. I realized that was a thing, so I left off my pins at home. I was like, ah, oh, like I'll just give them to my family <laughs> friends, and then I get there and I've raised like exchange them, like wait, I want to do this, <laughs> and I couldn't because I left them all at home. I was like, dang, that's
0: unfortunate. <laughs> I have two quick follow-ups from that real quick. The one, I don't know how I came to the conclusion from all of that, but the Coke chip, have you tried it here because OSU is Coke-sponsored?
2: I have (laughs) not That's actually a good idea I'll bring it to campus next time I'm on here Because it has like the little like You know where you touch your debit card It's like one Uh of those It might work If it does I'll let you guys know Yeah, you,
0: You definitely gotta let us know And then second Were you like starstruck by anyone that you were able to see or meet there
2: Yes I saw the whole gymnastics team And I was I wanted to go up to them and take a picture so bad, but I was like, I can't. I can't take a picture. (laughs) I was like, if the gymnastics team, I can't. (laughs) I really wanted to meet Kevin Love because he's, like, he's been on the cab for so long. And then they announced that he wasn't going, and I was so upset. I also wanted to meet, like, Kevin Durant, you know? Just because, like, (laughs) big name people and everybody knows them, but never got to see any of them, which is a little disappointing.
0: Hey, maybe you'll go to a Cavs game and meet Kevin Love, but... I was, watch, I was watching your press conference that you did with Ohio State, and you're like, I can't wait to meet Kevin Love. And I was just watching that tonight. I was like, dang, he quit. Like, no. Yes,
2: yeah, literally. <laughs> I after, he, after he quit, I was so devastated. I was like, no, are you kidding?
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, so also speaking a little bit more about the Olympics, looking back on your performance, what about it do you want to improve and then what what was exhilarating knowing that you were competing for your country in front of the whole war- world? So kind of take us through that.
2: So this competition was very much different than anything I had ever experienced. You had the warm-ups outside the stadium. So normally you for college meets, you'll get 30 minutes of warm-up throws, and you can do as many throws in that time slot as you want. They had the warm-ups two hours before outside the stadium. So you would do as many warm-ups out there as you wanted. And then you had to go to a call room and they basically took attendance. And then you went to another call room where you got checked to make sure all of the gear that you were wearing was acceptable to be like shown on TV and everything. And so you were sitting around for around an hour and then you go out there to go compete and they're like all right you get two or three warm-up throws depending on how much time we have and to make sure you know everybody gets the equal opportunity Mm -hmm. and so we got those two or three throws out there and then the competition started like it was just a weird adjustment because It was also freaking 80 degrees there and 80% humidity. So I was like drenched the whole time. I actually went and changed in that hour. I was like, I can't sit around in these clothes because it was freezing cold. The air conditioning was blowing full blast. I was like, I can't sit around in this anymore. Like I'm going to die. I changed completely, went out and then threw in a completely different outfit than what I was wearing. But it was just like. A weird experience to do all of that they were super particular on walking out in a specific order so the girl in front of me that walked out <laughs> she was the girl who got the bronze medal and she's like six four super super built, like the most built person i've ever like most <laughs> built girl i've ever seen in my life and i was walking out behind her i was like I'm yep. going like, <laughs> to, I can't do this. <laughs> so I, that was a little intimidating for me. And then once I got into the competition field, you know, for, like, being out and about and just, like, constantly thinking about it, I was just, like, I, I couldn't get a throw together, you know. I didn't perform to what I wanted to do. And it's really disappointing to look back on it and be like, oh, I could have done this better if you would have – moved your arm out of the back this way or pushed off the back, like, you know, you could have like made the finals, but it's disappointing to like look back on. But it's also like a point for growth, you know. I can look at this opportunity and be like, you did this but you're twenty two and you made the Olympics. Like I was the youngest person in that field. Everybody else is like twenty five or above. So you know, it gives me hope for future like Maybe you know, or whatever it is, I have hope for the next Olympics, and it just gives me something to work on and focus on till my next big meet or next indoor season or whatever it is.
1: That's really cool. Yeah, that's got to be just crazy intimidating. Like I couldn't imagine in any sport, like looking at some of those those athletes who are just like built, and it's like it's just feels like they're a different breed.
2: I'm pretty tall for a girl. I'm like 5'10", 5'11", somewhere in there. So I'm like, normally I'm not that intimidated, but I saw her and I was like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Where was she from?
2: New Zealand. Oh, (laughs)
0: New Zealand. Uh. (laughs) So I wanted to ask you one thing, kind of just like on the whole odd part of the Olympics in 2021. How weird was it competing in a completely empty stadium?
2: It was very weird, especially because when I went and competed at the Olympic trials and at nationals, the stadium in Oregon was like pretty close to full capacity. I think they like were keeping three thousand seats or something. So it was weird going from like that environment and like in Oregon, like Eugene or the Olympic trials are held. That is completely a track lover like town like it's Mm. dedicated fully to track so everybody in that stadium was cheering all times no matter what the event was going they were just cheering all the time so it was like always full of energy and so when I was starting I was like oh yeah 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna like build off of this energy that's going on and then walking into the stadium they had like fake fan noises going on but it was just like you looked around you were like I'm completely alone besides my coach and me like there was nobody else there it was so weird like we went super late at night so there was like no other events going on and it was just like it was it was so weird it was something i've never experienced before i mean like obviously like indoor season we were really allowed to go outside the big ten or have many spectators so i was semi used to it but like at this scale and the level of the meat—it was just—it was—it was very weird. That is wild. Especially,
1: it, was it like a big stadium too and everything?
2: Uh, yeah, it was, it was the biggest and nicest stadium I've ever seen. I—I <laughs> I, I think they could probably fit like fifty thousand people in there. Like it was—it was big. So like to have it completely empty was very. Very weird. <laughs> that almost feels
1: like it's like practice than an actual meet. Like yeah, yeah,
2: you know I, I definitely thought of that. I was like, oh, this is kind of weird, kind of like a glorified practice when I was throwing because you know yeah. there's nobody there. It was just like me communicating with my coach, and then like obviously we had the other competitors, but it was just yeah, just it was like
1: weird. That.
2: But you know, um, you can add it to the arsenal and then like grow from it.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, if you if you competed under those conditions, then if you ever do make it back to the Olympics, then I feel like you'd be pretty much prepared for anything. Mm -hmm. So this summer, you got the chance to throw out transitioning. This is a little different than the Olympics, but you got the chance to throw out the first pitch at the Indian. Uh, How did you come about that? And how was the whole experience of being able to do that in the city that you grew up in?
2: So after I made the team, me and my coach and her husband, her husband also made the team for Method Output, and he actually ended up getting the medal at the Olympics. Mm. And so, after the Olympics, they were like, You have to do as much publicity as you can to like continually get your name out there. Mm-hmm. So, I got this random DM from this lady on Facebook, and she was like, Hey, I'm with the Indians. Like, we saw that you made the Olympics, and you're from Cleveland. Like, do you want to throw out the first page? I was like, first off, I was like, no way, this is real, because I was like, I got a message from Justin Fields, you know, like, not being him, and I was like, yeah, like, good oh. job, like, no, you're so cool, like, that type of thing, I was like, okay, whatever, <laughs> then this lady messaged me, I'm like, super skeptical, I, like, respond <laughs> to it, I'm like, all right, yeah, if you could give me a call with more details, that would be great, she ends up calling me, and it's like, yeah, so we have the option for this game, this game, this game, or this game, and I was like, this is legit (laughs) like okay i'll do this and so i picked a game and i was super nervous that it was gonna end up being rained out or something but it ended up being like really nice weather it downpoured 10 minutes before i was supposed to throw out the pitch and then it was super nice right after that so i was like this is this is all working out perfectly but to be able to throw out the first pitch and it was enough time where a bunch of my family friends could come so i think i had like 100 people there just like all like coming for the first pitch and watching it. It was awesome to have everybody there, you know, and have all the support of like Cleveland behind me and then they ended up winning the game. So I was like, all right, maybe I should do this more often like hit me up if you ever need a replacement or pitcher.
0: (laughs) The Indians actually could have used some pitching this year. So maybe you could have went in there. (laughs) So one quick fact real quick. I looked it up while well, we're on the second break the girl from New Zealand was it possibly Valerie Adams yeah. yes it was so she is actually the sister of Stephen Adams who's like a 7 foot center in the NBA so that explains why she's 64 oh
2: yeah i think this is also i think this is also fourth olympics that she's been to
0: yeah she's like 37 so
2: yeah, she's 37. She has two kids. Like, I think she's met in the past three Olympics or something. Like, she's she's really good. And I was walking out behind her. I was like, I know exactly who you are, but, like, oh, it was so weird. <laughs> That's wild.
0: So, talking about kind of, like, knowing people and just, like, idols in the sport, who are your sports idols or role models? And is there someone in the sport of shot put that you've admired or, like, Look to build your game off of?
2: So, actually, in shot put I don't really have any idols because a lot of the people who are really good right now are still throwing. So, it's like weird for me to be like, oh my gosh, you're my idol when mm-hmm. I want to beat you in big competition. So, I don't really have like a Shotput idol right now. I do have to say, Two of my favorite sports people are Baker Mayfield, just because, like, he came from that same walk-on story, you know, and then he's done so well in the NFL, and just, like, hopefully he's going to keep going the Browns if his labrum's okay, like, whatever, his humorous is healed and everything, but... He's been a really big inspiration, you know, just, like, to show, like, walk-ons can, like, do what they want. And then also LeBron James. I mean, <laughs> coming from Cleveland, you have to, yeah. like, love him. So, you know, those are the two big idols.
1: Good choices with both of those guys. <laughs> so kind of wrapping it up here with the the long-winded questions, what goals do you have for yourself and for just life in general moving forward?
2: so i graduate at the end of this year and where i'm at right now is i'm trying to decide if i want to continue doing output professionally or if i want to just be done with track after this year so i think that's one of the big decisions i'm trying to make right now and just really focusing on like what i see the next step in my life being and so Before that, you know, I definitely want to break the collegiate record indoor this year and outdoor. I think both of them are right around 1940, Mm -hmm. somewhere. there. So I'm not too far off of it. But, you know, those are the two big goals. And then the world championships are this year. And so that's like tracks. Like, I wouldn't say like World Series because it doesn't happen every year, but something along those lines. Mm -hmm. It's like a World Series for track. And so it's every two years are the world championships, and this year it's actually being held in Eugene, Oregon. So I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity for me to compete, have my family watch me, and, you know, hopefully, like, do really well there and just, like, show everybody, you know, continue to show everybody, like, who I am and, like, I'm not coming to play or <laughs> anything anymore.
1: That's great.
0: All right, yeah, those are some big decisions, but I'm sure you at the end of the day, you'll just make the best choice and probably go with your heart. <laughs> exactly.
1: Although I'd love to see yeah. you stick with shot put because I need to have a, a someone to cheer for now to get me into the sport a little bit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you guys know that a girl's shot put is roughly around the same weight as a paint? As a what? A can of paint. Like it's a. Kind of
0: ten- oh
2: no. <laughs> Wait. And that- Output is sixteen pounds.
0: I was. So I, I, I would, don't know the
2: sim, like similar thing to that, but sixteen pounds. I'd say two gallons of paint.
0: Probably. I would love to try to throw one.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's difficult because if you do throw it wrong and like keep your elbow down, you will mess up your shoulder very badly. So <laughs> that's why we always hold the bowl like up here yeah. with our shoulder straight, so we have less of a chance of like ripping something if you. Uh,
0: person
1: down there that's crazy um so, all right so quick let's, questions yeah right? let's get into the quick questions john i'll let you start
0: awesome so did you play any other sports growing up or in high school
2: yes i did soccer for a year i did volleyball for a year i did basketball for six or seven years and then i ran cross country for three years so i was kind of all over the place <laughs> yeah
1: Okay, most impressive teammate or person that you've kind of competed against.
2: Mm. That's hard. <laughs> I would say one of my teammate Aniga Battle. She's a sprinter. She's one of the really. She's a very good collegiate sprinter. And I would say she's a very big inspiration to me. You know, she's done a lot in her time here and like done her deal of. Um, She's like a seven time bid 10th European, so mm. she has quite the resume as well. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's very good. <laughs> so she's one of the people I look up to. And then she was also my roommate in Tokyo. So to have her there was awesome. At least oh, I had cool. with me.
0: Either on the Ohio State team or Team USA, who's been your funniest teammate?
2: grant holloway he's the world record holder Mm -hmm. in hurdles he's really funny and he just always comes with like a smile on his face to anything he does he's so funny
1: (laughs) okay favorite restaurant in cleveland or columbus
2: is it bad if i say barrio (laughs) okay in columbus my favorite restaurant is thermos it's like a burger wing Mm -hmm. place it's really good their portions are like this big it's like twenty dollars for a burger but the burger is like gonna get you through four meals (laughs) so it's really good and then in cleveland i guess i would have to just say barrio (laughs) i feel like that's so basic to say
0: (laughs) (laughs) no for fall break i went home and went to barrio so i'm not far off from you (laughs) have you tried the terminator by chance
2: i have not <laughs> and i was like reading it i was like i can't even attempt this
0: i don't think i'd be able to shout out shout out our friend george he finished the terminator it's like a what is it like 12 or 13 patties or something like that yeah oh, cool. <laughs>
1: something insane
0: <laughs> so this next quick question for you i was excited to ask you this one because i'm a sucker for ice cream What's the best ice cream shop, and I I heard that you really like ice cream, too. What's the best ice cream shop in Cleveland or in Columbus?
2: Cleveland, by far, Mitchell's. Mm -hmm. I also like Sweet Moses. They have the, like, challenge where it's, like, a bunch of different ice creams. And if you and, like, four friends finish it, you get, like, your picture on the wall. And so that was one of the, like... (laughs) My senior year, we tried to do it, and it was so bad. It was, like, it was the ice cream was very good, but we, it was just, like, you couldn't finish it. It was impossible. And then in Columbus, one of my favorite places is this place called Wits. It's actually a frozen custard place, but it is, like, so good. I've never, like, had custard, but it was just, like, amazing. I honestly probably go there, like, once a month, and I'm just, like, all right, whatever it is. <laughs> like, my little pick-me-up meal.
0: right. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> do you have a special or weird talent or hobby outside of shot like,
2: I'm so embarrassed. The other somebody asked me this the other week, and I said armpit farting, and <laughs> I literally did it on camera. <laughs> so I I can't say I do. I would do that again, but I can't embarrass myself that much anymore. <laughs> so no weird talents. I can like when I. This isn't a talent or anything, but, like, when I swim, I, like, suck my mouth into my nose to cover both my mouth and nose. Like, I go...
1: Whoa!
2: My (laughs) nose and mouth are, like, both covered, so I'm, like, not getting water in my nose. (laughs) Dang, that's that's, (laughs)
1: that's a talent for sure.
2: a weird thing.
1: (laughs) I don't even think I could do that.
0: I can't either. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Adelaide, what we tell people is, for the, like, weird hobby or talent... We had a pro boxer come on here before, and he told us that he was super good at lizard catching because he's from Florida. So I don't know if we'll hear anything more uh, bizarre than that.
2: Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty... No,
0: yeah, anything flies, so I'd love to
1: hear it. <laughs> favorite show to binge watch? Or favorite movie, either one.
2: See... I don't really, like, watch TV that much. Right now, I'm in the middle of watching Naruto, so I would say, like, that's my favorite show at the moment. But other than that, like, I don't really watch TV. I'll watch that because it's, like, 20-minute episodes, and it's just easy to put them in, like, different places, but don't watch too much TV. I would say favorite movie would probably be, like, Inception. Mm-hmm. That movie is, like... Yeah, It's so... Like, weird, it changes every time, so it's like good.
0: <laughs> and then, our last quick question for you is Who's your favorite musical artist, and what are you listening to before a meet?
2: So, before I'm before a meet, the last song that I listened to, I thought this was so funny, is this song called Japan, it's by Throttle, it's like an EDM ish type of group. And I was like, alright, like, this is a sign. It's Japan. Like, it's my last (laughs) song before I go throw. And so that was the song that I listened to. And then I went out there, I was like, I screenshotted it right before I left. I was like, this is my sign. Like, (laughs) I just listened to the sign, or song, I'm going to Tokyo. Like, that's that was, like, my last song before throwing. But I would say I have a pretty diverse taste of music. (laughs) I like listening to classical music a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. not, like, Classical rock, like, actual classical music, like, yeah. that type of stuff. It's very calming, so <laughs> that's one of my big favorites. And then also, like, on the other spectrum, I like listening to EDM music. So, like, Throttle, like, Galantis, Enzo, like, all of those people, so.
0: Cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about doing an athlete graphic of all of their favorite artists, so I'm going to put Beethoven next to you if we do that.
2: <laughs> okay, <laughs> that works.
0: <laughs> but Adelaide, that's all we have for you today. I mean, this was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah,
2: thank you guys for having me on. I actually did, I had a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> Great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I'm glad I got to learn a little bit more about the sport and got to meet you. That was really cool. And maybe you got to let us know if that Coke trick works.
2: I know. I hope it does that would be i i normally don't drink pop but i would drink it just for that reason (laughs) because it's free
0: (laughs) that's awesome Awesome. but yeah best of luck with everything and just thank you again adelaide
2: yeah thank you guys for having me on
0: and thanks to you guys if you made it this far listening to the hottest to Sports podcast today's intro beat was made by cold melody on youtube we will have a link to it in the description also, make sure you all go give Adelaide a follow on Instagram at A Aquila and on Twitter at Adelaide Aquila. Huge thanks again to Adelaide for taking her time to come on the show. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the hottest underscore take pod. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all, and see you next time.